Thank you so much for that uh, uh, very important insight as to the situation that you're dealing with. Uh, the chair will now recognize members for five minutes for questions. And the first member this morning to ask questions will be uh, Congressman Doug LaMalfa from California. Thank you, Thank you Madam Chair. <clears throat> first, uh, let me welcome our uh, friends and colleagues from our my neighborhood at home, uh, Vice Chairman Williams, great to have you here today. Thank you. And uh, is, is Elijah uh, present here, Elijah Montes? Hey, welcome. Thanks for coming all the way to Washington, D.C. with your dad today. And I think it's a very special day for another one of your colleagues, uh, um, Raymond. Raymond, is, a, is that right? Hey, Raymond, 10 years old today. Congratulations. <laughs> Raymond and Cenas, good to see you. All right, so uh, I hope your birthday is a lot of fun. There's, you can have fun in this town, it's possible. So <laughs> anyway, <clears throat> so thank you, Madam Chair. Um, to questions here, I'd like to, um, well, one one sidebar, I, I need to take a, advantage of the opportunity here with Mr. Assistant Secretary Newland in, in the room here. Um, I want a very important issue uh, affecting my constituents and some just uh, north of my district as well. You're reviewing a gaming proposal by the Coquille tribe about 170 miles from the current tribe's current location. <clears throat> and it was previously rejected by the department for failing to meet department requirements. It's opposed by several list legislators in Northern California and Oregon. And uh, your offices found that 11 tribes, including the Karuk in my district, the Toloa to the west of me, would be seriously impacted by the project, as would hundreds of their employees. But your office, from what we can tell, has, has yet to meet with these tribes um, and talk about what uh, the effect is going to be on them. So can you, can you commit to sitting down and meeting with uh, these tribes and hearing what their issues are going to be with uh, uh, a tribe that's going to be 170 miles from its current location if if approved. Thank you, Congressman. Uh, under our, our current regulations, the department is required to consult with tribes that are located within 25 miles of a proposed uh, uh, gaming site. Uh, but as a general matter, I am uh, generally have an open door when it comes to tribal leaders about matters of importance, and I'm, and I'm generally happy to meet with uh, tribal leaders, uh, when it comes to the formal consultation required by our regulations, that's a little bit different. Um, so again, happy to hear from them on issues of importance. It just that there's a differentiation between a, a formal process required by our regulations and, and understood. I, I understand that well, the 25 miles, and in the past uh, it's been pretty effective, but indeed there's 11 tribes, including the two I mentioned, uh, right in my immediate neighborhood, mm -hmm. the Karuk and the Toloa. <laughs> and so when, when you're talking about a project that Coquille is doing 170 miles from their current location, it seems like that that would kind of uh, open the window that the 25 miles isn't necessarily something you have to adhere to as tightly, right? Does that seem fair? Congressman, again, I've met with other tribes uh, who have expressed concerns of, uh, about uh, that project or that proposal and others, and I'm happy to do that. All right, I, I urge you to please meet with the, with the others involved. So let me jump to uh, uh, H.R. 1532, I think a very good piece of legislation. Uh, what we're reflecting upon, as our, our panel has talked about, 
We're talking about an 1834 law. This country looked a whole lot different. The relationship between the people that were settling here from Europe at that time and the, the folks that were native of the country looked a whole lot different at the time as well. And so what we're, what we're looking at is an issue where um, 18, uh, 1532, where it applies to fee land. I'd, I'd like to know, how does that look any different where tribes are trying to make autonomous decisions on fee land? We're not talking, you know, we'll set aside re restricted or trust land in the conversation for a moment. How is that any different than m me, for example, as a U.S. citizen making a transaction having to do with farmland or something like that? Why, why should it be different for tribes to have to have a third party intervening? Thank you, Congressman, for that question. Uh, we don't believe that it is different. Um, we believe at, at the department that tribes have the ability to buy and sell fee lands on, uh, off the reservation under existing legal authority today. So the, the, it is not that the department disagrees with the, the esteemed tribal leaders here today um, about the challenges posed by private lenders and title insurance companies. It's the department disagrees with whether uh, this uh, legislation is necessary in the first place. Um, and well, my, my neighbor United Auburn is running into issues just uh, dealing with a piece of golf course property. So uh, we'll explore this more in, in a little bit, but um, as my five minutes have already eclipsed here, but uh, it, it doesn't seem right if it's, if we're talking fee land that they should have these challenges that have to has, has to have a sign off from a congressional action or a department action, the same as anybody else would. So I yield back. Thank you, Madam Chair. Thank you. The chair now recognizes um, the ranking minority member, Mr. Grijalva, from the beautiful state of Arizona. Well, thank you very much for the beautiful state of Arizona. It was nice of you. Um, <laughs> uh, Chairman Isola, and, uh, as you spoke about in your testimony, uh, you know, although the department has stated today that the Non-Intercourse Act does not apply to fee lands, this stirs to be a point of concern and a point of contention with yourself and, 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 your, and, and your members. In your communications, uh, you know, particularly as a, uh, the point of, but it was a point of concern for title insurance and lender companies. So in your communications with these companies, uh, did they make it clear to the tribe that clarifying this legislation for com Congress was uh, necessary in order to, for them to proceed and do business with the tribe as they would do with any other entity? In a roundabout way, yes, sir. They have made that mention. We have visited with several title companies and insurers uh, for the liens and mortgages on any of these properties that we have purchased in the past, and we have met with a lot of um, red tape, so to speak, and it all comes back to the NIA. And we introduced uh, legislation with uh, Representative Soto back in 21 to help clarify yep. that for us. And other tribes have seek to have sought this path as well as we have. We're not the first one to do it, and we hope we're not the last, but we just want to make sure that in what we've accomplished at the Seminole Tribe of Florida, and we want everyone else to accomplish the same thing and re remove those hurdles that are in the way of us prospering in a way that everybody okay. else has. And Assistant Secretary, welcome. Good to see you again. Uh, and at the outset, let me let me thank you. Uh, 
your office and your team has been very responsive as, as we have as uh, tribal leaders or communities have uh, made inquiries into our offices. Uh, we've been able to refer them to yours and maybe there isn't a resolution at this moment, but the attention and the time and the, and the effort and the respect that was given to those communities and tribal leaders was, is very much appreciated by all of us. Thank you very much. Uh, although the uh, HR 1532, Mr. Secretary, uh, specifically the, the department's kind of wary of impacting existing case law uh, pertaining to the non-intercourse. Uh, maybe there's not a legal need for clarifying the act. It's a question. Uh, the act's effect on, on freelance, but going back to the question I asked the chairman, there seems to be a reaction from title and uh, lending institutions and title insurance. Uh, inter they interpret it as differently, and it then becomes an impediment. Uh, given that issue, uh, does department have any recommendations in terms of the legislation? And uh, I saw uh, working with the author of the legislation, the chair, uh, text changes that would tread that needle if, it, if it's even possible. Thank you, ranking member. Thank you for your kind words. I, I really appreciate that. Um, again, when it, when it comes to um, recommendations on how to address that. I'd be happy to, to sit down with you and your team and, and other members of the committee to, to talk about that and give that some thought. Um, the department doesn't dispute that this is an issue from lenders and, and title insurance companies. And uh, the, oftentimes, including in my own experience, the attorneys who are um, advancing this theory that if, a, if the Seminole tribe were to buy a, a business office here in Washington, D.C., that there has to be an extra transaction cost on top of that uh, to the company because it's an Indian tribe buying the land. Um, that's, the, the attorneys are, are, need gotcha. to take an Indian law class uh, because that's just that it's, a, it's, a trans, it's a solution in search of a problem. And the, what we've done over the past two centuries is build all this body of law on top of the Non-Intercourse Act. And it's still relevant today in a lot of cases we're seeing, in, even in the Supreme Court in the past several years that deal with Indian land tenure. And so the, the, the concern the department has is unintended consequences on, the, on that body of law, which benefits and protects tribes. And the real issue are these attorneys uh, and lending institutions that add these transaction costs on gotcha. tribes without any basis. So, so the, the issue is potentially undoing a precedent that could be, on the other side, harmful to the issues of self-determination, sovereignty, and, and, and to, to tribal, tribal governments and tribes, correct? Yes, sir. Your back, Madam Chair. Thank you. The chair now recognizes uh, Jennifer gonzalez Coulant from Puerto Rico. Thank you, Madam Chair, and good morning to everybody here, and happy birthday uh, to one of our guests today. Um, Vice Chairman Williams and Chairman Osceola, <clears throat> in his testimony, the Assistant Secretary 
uh, raised department concerns that any changes uh, to the operation of the Non-Intercourse Act may have unintended consequences. Um, and I would like to give you uh, the opportunity, uh, both a chance to comment on that. Uh, do you either uh, have any concerns at all um, that were raised with, the, with this bill that will cause any unintended consequences? Good morning. Good morning. Congresswoman, uh, thank you for the time. Uh, we appreciate the uh, ability to be here this morning. I think the concern raised by the interior, uh, I think are not our concerns at this time at the Seminole Tribe. And I think we recognize the benefits of the bill that was passed in 2021. Uh, the tribe has flourished in its sovereign wealth fund um, activities. We've bought eight properties. We bought nine properties total. We've sold one and we've kept eight at this point. We, uh, we hope to continue to further expand on that. Our, our hurdle was that every title company we went to, except for the exception of one, told us that we needed to have congressional approval to get the insurance of the lien or even you know title, anything of that property in our name. That was a challenge that we had. And again, as I stated in uh, my statement, that the ability for us to do that without congressional approval put many hurdles in the way and stalled, and we actually lost deals. If anyone knows how a deal works, it doesn't sit on the table for long, and we lose the opportunity to bid, purchase, and acquire any of that stuff uh, in the future. So this was um, removal of that helped us, and I'm sure it helped a lot of other tribes, because we weren't the first ones. There were other tribes that came before us, and I think that every other tribe that had come before us would probably share the same sentiment that I'm sharing with you today on behalf of the Seminole tribe and the tribes that are come that will come after me and the Seminole tribe will probably express the same thing. I do agree that might be some challenges for other tribes, but again, I think the sophistication of the world that we live in today that we adapted and uh, we are ready to conquer. Thank I, you. I do agree with you 100%. Chairman Williams, do you want to add something? Yes, madam. Uh, we just, we would like to work with the department to make sure this goes through. We always uh, enjoy working with our partners to make things easier for Native American tribes. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, very politically correct. Um, I, I, I do believe in, in, in both uh, bills and uh, they will ensure uh, clarity uh, to the process and of course allow to have expedited process for you guys to, to, to make those deals. The remaining of my time, I, I wanted to yield to my member, fellow member and colleague from California, Mr. Lamalfa. Thank you, my great colleague from Puerto Rico. I appreciate it. Uh, I, I agree with you on your positions there, too. Um, so to uh, Assistant Secretary Newland, um, just following up, it, so bottom line, is it the department's position that this legislation will change uh, how the department administers on trust land or land held in restricted fee? Thank you, Congressman. Uh, the department's position, I, I, I wouldn't say yes to that, but I, the, the challenge we face with this legislation is we don't know the consequences and how it would interact with two centuries of case law that have been built on top of the Non-Intercourse Act and how it would affect Indian land tenure in other places and other contexts. Okay, so not a, not a clear yes, but um, indeed, an issue, unintended consequences we've heard several times, all right. 
Um, I mean, again, we're talking about something that occurred in eight, the original law in 1834. The, the United States only had 24 states at that time. Only two of them, I think, were west of the Mississippi. So there was a whole bunch of states that didn't have uh, uh, a legal status at the time. We, uh, I, I think uh, tribes these days are uh, certainly up to the task of figuring out how to protect themselves. We've heard testimony a couple times here, too, about the ability to do simple transactions and get title insurance is is tainted or maybe seen as impossible. So uh, that really reflects their, restricts their ability to, to directly do business in a modern age. So I don't know that they really need that much protection from themselves as uh, the department is asserting here. So I, I appreciate the time and I'll yield back. Thank you. Thank you. The chair now recognizes herself for my questioning. Mr. Newland, over the past 10 years, do you know how many leases the department has approved under the Long-Term Leasing Act that were for a period of up to 99 years? I don't, Madam Chair, but we'll be happy to uh, follow up with an answer to that. But you are aware that there have been some? Yes. Okay. From your experience and professional knowledge, have these leases been beneficial to the tribes? Uh, on the whole, I, I believe so, yes. And how has the BIA supported efforts for tribal leaders to have long, longer-term leases? Um, we have, uh, 10 years ago, uh, reformed the BIA's leasing regulations uh, to try to make that process faster. Um, and I believe that has been uh, successful and provide more deference to tribes in making decisions about leases, both in terms of compensation and, and term as well as implementing the Hearth Act, which uh, we're almost to 100 tribes that have taken over the uh, leasing under tribal law. Um, and we try to get those uh, uh, requests approved expeditiously so that we're not interfering with tribal land use decisions. Now, you have voiced some concerns about H.R. 1532. Mm -hmm. And um, you're, uh, you've mentioned that you believe that there were potentially unintended consequences and that's in relation to how this particular act would play out against the existing case law. Is that correct? Yes, Madam Chair. Is there anything beyond your concern about the interrelationship between this act and the, the, the long history of case law that we have? Not at, not at this time. Uh, what, I, what I can add, if, if, if you like, Madam Chair, is it, it, I don't dispute and the department doesn't dispute that uh, the, the issues raised by the tribal leaders on the panel are real uh, because I've experienced those myself. Um, the issue is not the law. The law as it exists right now allows tribes to purchase and sell fee land for business purposes, home sites. Uh, that, that already exists. The issue is the lack of understanding of the law by uh, some of these lending institutions and, and title insurance companies. And... Uh, you know, we're, we're happy to, again, continue this discussion and assist tribes, as, as the vice chairman noted. Uh, but the, the law itself is not the impediment. It's the company's lack of understanding of it. Well, and that raises an interesting point, which is it isn't uh, necessarily unusual for Congress to clarify a particular law to address those kinds of concerns. Isn't that right? Correct. 
Okay, and so I see the role of Congress that if there is confusion or there is something that needs to be addressed, because as you say, they just need to go and read the case law. I don't necessarily disagree with that. But if we have the opportunity to clarify something that is going to give our tribes the autonomy that they seek, don't you think that that could be beneficial? I do generally, Madam Chair. Uh, we see, again, just last year, the Supreme Court uh, made decisions about the status of reservations in Indian land tenure, and it is all built upon the Non-Intercourse Act, which is, was one of the very first laws this country's, that this Congress enacted um, to address the acquisition of Indian lands. And, and so, so much that we rely upon in Indian country rests on top of that law. And, and our concern is, we, you know, if we pull the Jenga block out from the bottom row, we don't know uh, how that affects everything else. Well, Mr. Newland, could I request a commitment from you to work with us to address what some of those concerns may be so that we can clarify and make this uh, easier and better for our tribes to be able to have the autonomy that they so rightfully deserve? Madam Chair, I would be happy to have those conversations and to help tribes not have to endure the hassle and the expense of, uh, that are imposed by some of these companies um, okay. that they deal with. Well, and Mr. Asiola, uh, Chairman Asiola, I've got a couple questions for you. Your testimony detailed how uncertain it was to work with title insurance leaders, lenders without the certainty of the tribe having non-intercourse act waiver legislation signed into law. Do you know why the one title insurer took the risk of insuring title? And did they have a different understanding than the other title companies? We did what we could to try to get them to understand the law. But I think the question that is raised is that there are so many other lending agencies that weren't up to speed, as Secretary Newland has mentioned. That that's, the, that's the challenges that we all face as tribes that maybe one might understand how it works, but not all understand how it works, and they're not keeping up with legislation. And I think that's a challenge is that they're not willing to go and look at the legislation. And yes, it, it calls for additional fees and attorney fees and closing fees because we had to try to educate them. And if they did, we didn't do a good job or they didn't do a good job of understanding what that education process was from our side or their side, then they deny it and we're not able to move forward. And then we were able to find just that one company out of so many that we looked for, and it was not only in the state of Florida, but all across the country, just to find somebody in the local areas where we were buying real estate. So the challenges are faced not only by us, but by the tribes, and I understand uh, the concerns raised by the department. But again, we are all moving fast in a world that is growing way beyond us, and we need to keep up as tribes. And this is one of the ways that we believe at the Seminole Tribe that we can advance ourselves even further if we can get this removed, if not amended, as you're so speaking with Secretary Newland, on how we can make it easier for everybody. Because what we've experienced since 2021 and that law being introduced and passed, we have experienced a lot easier path to acquiring lands off reservation. Well, in 1532 is quite simple and straightforward. Right. And uh, I, I would assume that our title insurance companies could read that and understand it. And perhaps that just takes away one of those moving parts that we don't need. Agreed. So with that, with that, uh, I believe that 
Um, Please go ahead. Thank you, Madam Chair, for indulgence. Uh, Mr. S Mr. Secretary, it's a, the two issues, the two pieces of legislation, um, I support one very much and continue to do so. And the second one, I support the concept and the intention of the on the title companies and insurance and lender carriers, that there's, you have to cut, you have to treat uh, re federally recognized tribes and their representatives with equity as you do any other, whether it's a municipality, whatever, okay, or an individual. So, I I I support that intent. The the challenge to some precedents. And the Intercourse Act causes me hesitation in the sense that, as, as my colleague said, unintended consequences. The unintended consequence could, could be pretty big in terms of tenure and other issues that have been established by case law. Could you provide to the committees, perhaps, in that overview and that discussion about text, that the the chair is going to engage with you in is the issue some examples that that potentially could be and I say that because as we go further through this legislation and it moves along those examples are going to come up and then there's going to be the challenges to the legislation based on an unintended consequence and an example of what could happen to dilute uh, self-determination and sovereignty for, for tribes. Avoiding that, I want to avoid that. I know the chair does as well. And so if you could provide us some examples and that maybe leads to the conversation about what needs to be done with text and how we can legislate the intent to title and insurance and lenders in terms of how they deal with tribes uh, specifically and generally and not have to rely on a piece-by-piece -piece legislation that a given senator might hold up for years because they're worried about market share or competition and to, a, to their region. So if you would, I would appreciate it. And thank you, Madam Chair, for the indulgence. Wonderful. Thank you. I'm just going to ask one more question. I want to make sure that I, I have a question for Vice Chairman Williams. You mentioned in your remarks that a title company is refusing to provide title insurance to the company that wants to purchase your public golf course. They are telling you that the Interior Department needs to issue a legal opinion stating that this sale is not subject to the Non-Intercourse Act. Is the Department of Interior being cooperative in responding to your request for this legal opinion? Uh, yes, Madam Chair. They have been very responsive, and we are in the process of getting a legal opinion that our golf, golf course property is not subject to the Non-Intercourse Act. However, this is the problem becomes more widespread the, de the department could be overwhelmed with these types of, types of requests. It makes more sense for Congress to act and address this problem up front. H.R. 1532 does that. Okay. 
Thank you very much, and I want to thank the witnesses for your valuable testimony for traveling to Washington, D.C. I hope that you have an opportunity to uh, see some of the, the beautiful cherry trees, the cherry blossoms out there. It was a gorgeous drive coming in this morning. The members of the committee may have some additional questions for the witnesses, and we will ask you to respond to these in writing. Under Committee Rule 3, members of the committee must submit questions to the committee clerk by 5 p.m. on Friday, March 30, uh, Thursday, March 31st. Is it Thursday, March 31st? Oh, I am. Uh, and the hearing record will be, open, uh, will be held open for 10 business days for these responses. If there is no further business, without objection, the committee stands adjourned. <laughs>